Okay, uh, today's sermon is called Pursuing the Wandering Christian. Um, I want to ask you guys, have you ever wondered why do students, or anyone for that matter, fall away from the faith? Why is it sometimes that we struggle so much to believe in God? Maybe as you're sitting there, maybe you're thinking, why do I feel so disconnected uh, to the church? Why is that? If you're a senior uh, right now in this Zoom room, I want you to remember your freshman year. Who are some of the students who used to come out to church, but maybe after a while they stopped showing up? Maybe it's more than we would like. If you're a junior high student or a freshman, I want you to visualize uh, the people in your class right now, the guys and the girls. And I want you to know that by the time you're a senior, some of those uh, friends that you have right now may not still be at church anymore. And this is a problem. Some studies estimate that somewhere between 40 and 50% of high school students walk away from their faith after they leave high school. This is a real problem. And so for the juniors and seniors or just anyone in this room, do you see your friends leaving the church? Do you sense it maybe even in your own hearts to leave the church? Sometimes I'm saddened when I uh, go to, to the senior banquet. Don't get me wrong, it's a great banquet at the end of the year when we celebrate the um, accomplishments of students. But uh, at first glance, uh, when you go to a senior banquet, it's a huge celebration. It's awesome. They've graduated. But the sad reality is once you begin to mingle around and see the students, you, re you realize that a lot of these students, or not a lot of them, but there's a handful of these students who weren't really consistent. They seem like strangers. They didn't really come out the past couple of years. And so it doesn't tell the full picture that maybe it was only a, a percentage of the students who were consistent, but there's also an, another handful that didn't really come out. So it's almost like a senior banquet, but it doesn't tell the full picture of their faith. And so what do we do with Christians, students who wander away from the faith? This is a huge problem that we see, especially in this world that we live in right now. What if I told you that God does have a solution for this, that God has called us to a task he has called each and every person here to rise and confront this problem of teenagers leaving and wandering away from the faith. How do we do this? Well, that's what I want to talk about in today's sermon. Um, as I said earlier, this is the last message in James. And if you're here for the first time, the book of James in the Bible, it was written to uh, poor Jewish Christians who were scattered in the surrounding area back then. And they were uh, tempted to live like the world. Um, and this letter was written to correct them and, and to guide them. And so in this final sentence or uh, final sentence of the letter, James no longer directs his focus on his listening audience, but then he focuses on those who have already left the church, those who are not present, those who are not reading this letter. So what are we to do when our friends stop showing up to church, when they wander away? The preview for today is pretty simple. Three ways to pursue the wandering Christian. If you have your Bibles, please open them to James chapter 5. We'll start there in James chapter 5. 
I'll give you guys a moment to turn there. James chapter five. Okay, we are only going to read two verses today, just one sentence. So I'm going to read verses 19 and 20 of James chapter 5. This is what it says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We're going to spend the rest of today just focusing on these two verses, this single sentence. And so the first way we can pursue the wandering Christian is uh, self-explanatory. We have to identify who are the wandering Christians among us. If we want to be serious about pursuing our brothers and sisters who are struggling, we have to know who are they. We have to be aware of those who have actually wandered away, of those friends who have stopped showing up to church. Who has, who have wandered away from the faith? And it is a little interesting. This is the final sentence of James, and he doesn't end it with a typical grace uh, BTU, like some of the other letters that Paul might write. He ends with an or exhortation. He ends with a command to pursue the ones who have wandered from the faith. I want us to notice something right here, this word, anyone. Now, you might think that's a normal word. Nothing really jumps out. But do you remember last week when uh, we were talking about uh, praying for those who are sick and they asked the elders to come and pray for the sick? And the reason this word anyone is important um, is because anyone can wander from the faith. That when we wander from the faith, it's not just the pastor's job uh, to go after the student. It is everyone's job in the church. And so if anyone wanders from the faith, actually, no, someone brings them back. So this someone, sorry, I messed up there. Someone meaning anyone in the church. All right. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just uh, the deacon's job. It's just not, it's not just your counselor's job to go after struggling Christians. The fact that James says when someone brings him back, it should make us realize that is a church's responsibility. It's your responsibility to bring back the wandering Christian. All right. And so anyone in the church can wander from the faith. You could be a Christian and wander from the truth. Remember, James is addressing a body of believers. So he's referring to those who used to be in the faith. They are genuine Christians, but for some reason, they are struggling right now. For some reason, they have stopped showing up to church temporarily. They're still believers, but for some reason or another, they are struggling. And so these people, they have wandered from the truth. That's what it says right here. And so to wander from the truth, it's not referring to maybe a specific Christian doctrine, such as God's sovereignty or God's justice, but in a broader sense, to wander from God's truth is to simply wander from the gospel, to wander from the truth of the gospel and all that entails. This person may be saved for that moment, but right now, they are lost and they're wandering in the dark. This is someone who wanders from the truth. And so this action verb right here, wanders, 
actually in the original Greek, it's in the passive form, meaning something is acted upon this person. For instance, uh, I was hit by a ball. That is a passive form. I'm not hitting the ball, but I'm being hit by the ball. So an action is being done upon me. When someone wanders away, something is dragging them away. Now it's still their decision uh, to disobey God, but for some reason, some temptation, some desire, some idol is pulling this person away. Maybe their desire to succeed in school could pull someone away from God. Maybe their desire to play video games with friends on a Friday night is pushing them away from God. Maybe dating a non-believer or maybe being in a toxic friendship is pulling this person away from God. Maybe being involved in drugs or alcohol is pulling someone away from God. Maybe being consumed with a sports or a club, which is a good thing, but you're so consumed that it's drawing you away from God. There are a whole bunch of different ways that someone can wander. And when you hear the word wander, it might seem a little casual, like, oh, he just wandered, wandered off the road. No big deal. He'll, he'll come back. But imagine if you wandered off the path and you were near a 500-foot cliff. It wouldn't be so casual anymore, would it? There would be dire consequences if you were to wander off the path. Likewise, if you have a friend at church and they just stop showing up to church for a couple of weeks, that might seem casual. You might think, oh, maybe they'll come back in the future. It's just church. I want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. Those who wander from the church are those who will eventually wander from their faith. And this has tragic consequences. So my application simply in this first point uh, is very simple. Um, if I can get out of here, is in your small groups, identify the individuals who have stopped going to church. I've actually asked your counselors, I put this in the discussion questions, I want you to actually spend time thinking about those who have stopped going to church. Maybe you had friends who come out to RAs or GAs or Awanas, but for some reason, they don't come out anymore. Maybe you had friends who came out in junior high, but now that you're in high school, they don't come out anymore. Maybe you have friends who came out in ninth grade or 10th grade, but for some reason, they don't come out anymore. Or maybe they're really consistent uh, pre-COVID, but once COVID hit around March, they, st they just stopped showing up. And let me be honest, I definitely saw a handful of students drop off and that breaks my heart and the heart of the counselors. Does this break your heart? I was looking through the youth roster. We actually take attendance and I counted, there's at least 38 students who either have dropped off or are very, very inconsistent. If you're taking notes, maybe you can write down friends who have stopped showing up to church. Let's not ignore that this is a huge problem. Let's identify those who need help and let's go after them. So that's the next step. Once we identify the individuals who have stopped going to church, we don't just uh, write them their name down and do nothing with it. We have to pursue them. And so that's the next step. Once we have identified the wandering Christian, now we have to pursue them. And that's the second point, which is this. Pursue the wandering Christian relentlessly and compassionately. So go after them. That's the task that James calls for us to do. Go after the wandering Christian. As I said uh, just a couple of moments ago, it is anybody, anybody 
it's your responsibility to go after the wandering Christian. It's not just the counselor's job. It's not just my job. I can't do it all. I can't go after and chase down 38 students. But if there is 50 students here who are committed to the faith, imagine how much uh, you can accomplish if 50 committed students pursued lost and struggling people in the faith. Imagine how effective you would be for God's kingdom. And so I'm challenging right now, don't be passive in your faith, um, thinking that it's just my job or your counselor's job to go after your struggling friends. It is also your job. Go after your friend. When someone falls away, it is your responsibility. And so we are charged with this responsibility. And it's pretty straightforward. And I want us to see the heart of Jesus behind this, that Yes, James is writing this, and maybe we don't understand the rationale behind this, but I, I want us to read um, from the heart of Jesus, a parable that illustrates the heart of Jesus. If you have your hand in your Bible, just keep a hand in James, but I want to turn us to Luke 15. I don't have this on the slide, but turn to Luke 15 really quick. I want us to see a parable that illustrates the heart of our Lord Jesus, and hopefully this will motivate us to go after the lost and the struggling. Luke 15. And this is the parable of the lost sheep. And this is Luke 15. Let's start in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, meaning Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost some of if he, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So this is a window into the heart of our Lord Jesus. He is passionate and he pursues the one lost sheep who has lost his way. There are 114 people now in this Zoom room. If we assume everyone here is a believer, but let's say there is one lost person out there. We have to go after that person. In this parable, this one lost sheep is enough for the shepherds to go after, to leave his 99 who are safe to go after the lost. And when he, when he finds the sheep, he comes back rejoicing and he celebrates with his friends and neighbors. So we go after our brothers and sisters who have lost their way. They are hurting and they are struggling. Don't allow them to fend for themselves, or worse yet, don't let them spiral deeper into the darkness. Isn't that the point of Christianity? That in our sin, God sends Jesus to earth to seek and to save the lost. And lost we were. As Jesus followers, shouldn't we do the same and go after our lost brothers and sisters? Here's a couple of application points for us that we can take away. How can we pursue the wandering Christian, both relentlessly and compassionately? Here's a couple of things. 
Number one, I want us to embrace a whatever it takes attitude in pursuing wandering Christians. I think a lot of us, and I count myself in this category, it's so easy for us to give up. Let me give you an example. Let's say uh, you wanted to buy something. Let's say uh, it costs five hundred dollars. All right. Let's say you wanted to buy like a pair of shoes, cost five hundred dollars, but you only earn five dollars a week doing chores, uh, which is not a lot. To the unmotivated, to the unmotivated person, they'll say, "Well, that's going to take a hundred weeks. Uh, I'm just going to give up." But the motivated person will say, "You know what? I'll do chores to earn a little extra money. I'll sell my other pair of shoes and my bike for a, a little bit more money. I'll walk my neighbor's dog." I'll save my Christmas money. I'll do my siblings chores. I'll do whatever it takes to get that $500 to get that new pair of shoes. I think you get the point. When you really want to do something, you'll do whatever it takes to reach that goal. And if our friends are struggling and lost and wandering, we, can, we must do whatever it takes to go after them. We can pray for them as simple and as well known as that is, we must pray for our Christian friends. We can text them something uh, casual, like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, how have you been? Do you want to hang out? And you can actually hang out with them in person, go to a park, grab some boba together, uh, grab a lunch, watch a movie together uh, online or something. You can uh, call them or you can send them an actual real life letter, a snail mail, um, you can send them a Christmas gift and says, if you accept this gift, you have to come back to church. Uh, something silly like, like that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But I'm just saying the possibilities are endless. If you really want to pursue a struggling friend, the possibilities are endless. Secondly, we have to be humble and gentle in your pursuit. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If you see a friend and they're walking apart from God, any correction or guidance that we offer to this person, it must be done in gentleness. It's not an argument. It's not a shouting match. You have to lovingly beg, plead with them to recognize the error of their ways. We are not the savior. I am not the savior. We are just sinners just like the other person. The moment we think we are better than the other person, we have become prideful and we are vulnerable to the attacks of Satan who wants to stir up anger in our hearts. So if you are to go after your brother or sister who is struggling, do it in a humble and a gentle way. Thirdly, avoid gossip, jokes, and trash talking about the wandering Christian. Remember, James 3 talks about the tongue as being a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison because it cannot be tamed. It is hypocritical to worship God and to curse others with the same tongue and the same mouth. And let me tell you, it can be very, very easy to talk trash about people who stop going to church. When they stop showing up and they stop caring, maybe uh, they themselves say negative things about God or about the church. It can be very tempting to respond in kind, to make jokes about them. But guys, this is toxic. This is the opposite of Christian love. In a Christian fellowship, there is no place for insults, name-calling, or inside jokes about those who are struggling. To put it bluntly, this is satanic. It does nothing but make Satan happy that we are tearing down one of our own. 
avoid gossip and jokes and negative speech. And for me, when I look back in my own life, I know this is something that was very difficult for me. Growing up, uh, there was always a person that he was always easy to pick on because he always did <laughs> stupid things. Um, and we always had these inside jokes uh, for this person. And I remember I came up with a code word uh, for this person. And every time he joined our friend circle, I would say it and my other friends would laugh. And this friend wouldn't understand why we were laughing, but it was a, a code word to basically talk trash and to make fun of this person. And he, always, he would always ask us, what are you guys talking about? And we would say, nothing, it's nothing. And I think deep down, this was my bitterness in my heart for my friend acting so foolishly. I didn't have or possess the love to go after him with humility. And so I dealt with his sin by responding in a very immature way. And I regret that because it really did poison our, our friend fellowship, our, our friendships. So pursue your friends, but don't do it like me. Don't do it in a way that tears down the other person. It can be very, very easy to do that. So at this point, we've identified the person who is struggling and we've resolved to pursue them relentlessly and compassionately, but there's still a big question. Why should we do this? I mean, didn't that person leave church for a reason? They're not interested in God. Why don't we just let them be? Let sleeping dogs lie. Why do I have to go through the trouble of going after them? That takes so much effort and they're just going to reject me anyways. And this leads me to my final but most important point. You and I, we put ourselves through the trouble of pursuing wandering Christians because of the eternal destiny of their souls. We have to hold this in our heart. And this is our third point that we have to remember their eternal destiny is at stake. We go after our brothers and sisters who are struggling because our hope is that their souls would be saved from death and that they'll be forgiven of sins. In other words, will they return to the gospel? If you're new to Christianity or you're wrestling with the existence of God, maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard it all before. And if you get nothing else from my sermon, get nothing else from the book of James. I want you to understand the truth of the gospel, that e the eternal destiny of your soul is at stake. And the truth of the gospel is this, that God created the universe and everything in it, including humans, you and me, to be good and perfect in relationship with one another. But the very first humans, Adam and Eve, which we saw in the game, sinned and disobeyed against God. So God banished them from his presence because he cannot tolerate even an ounce of sin or evil. And that's why when you look around in 2020, we live in a world of hate, of evil, of cheating, of fighting, of division, racism. This is what the world looks like when it's turned its back on God. And you know, for, for how much our world cries for justice, true justice is that every sinner deserves death deserves physical death and spiritual death. That is eternal separation from God. And we call this hell. But the gospel, the good news is that God sent his son Jesus 2000 years ago, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man to live a perfect life so that he could die on the cross for our sins, thereby taking the wrath of God on himself so that we might be forgiven 
do you realize that Jesus bore the wrath of God on your behalf and on my behalf? Why? So that our souls might be saved and our sins might be forgiven and we will be with him forever. We are reunited with God in a right relationship as he originally intended humanity to be. You might be thinking, this is nothing new. I've heard this before a hundred times. Why is this so important? And my question back to you is, are you truly living like it? Are you truly saved? If the statistics are true that 40 to 50% of high school students walk away from the faith after they leave high school, that is why I keep reminding us of the gospel truth. Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? I'm not talking about saying a single prayer when you're in VBS with that Sunday school teacher and then living your life the way you want it to. That's not a Christian. You simply just said a prayer to avoid hell. That's not a Christian. But have you truly surrendered your life to Christ, trusted in his blood to forgive your sins and to live in a way to glorify him? Isn't that the book of James? That genuine faith must result in works. If you are a Christian with genuine faith in the gospel, that must, it must result in a changed life. A person who claims to be a Christian, but, to not, but denies that claim by the way he lives his life, he or she is not a Christian. This is why the gospel is so important. And this is also why so many people, teenagers, people in general, walk away from the faith. They do not truly understand the gospel. And when they do, they're not willing to surrender their life to God. They want to live a life on their own. So have you responded positively to the gospel? And if so, are you helping your friends, going after your friends who are struggling? If right now you're struggling and you are not, uh, you have not received the gospel, you have not placed your faith in the gospel, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from placing your faith in Christ Jesus? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You have heard the gospel message. How will you respond? And I know that every youth counselor here holds that reality in our hearts, that we know that every person here has an eternal destiny. Every person here will either enter heaven or enter hell. Every person here either rejects Jesus or receives Jesus. Every person here either loves Jesus or loves the world. And this drives us to do what we do, to be here for you guys. We love you guys, but it's because God ultimately loves you even more. So much that he sent his son to die for you. So students, have you considered the eternal destiny of your own soul? Have you considered the eternal destiny of the soul of your friend who no longer comes to church? I hope this drives us to go after them. Here's my only application for this point. I think it's really important 
to daily consider the reality of heaven and hell. It's often said that you should reflect on the gospel every day, on your need for a savior. I think also it would include the reality of heaven and hell, that we need to be saved from our sins, from eternal wrath from God. You guys remember in the past when I used the diagram of the dot and the arrow, where the dot is just your life on earth, but the arrow is eternity, either spent in heaven or in hell. So often we spend our lives caring about what happens on this earth. And we don't even pay attention to what happens in the life to come, which is eternal. So does the eternal destiny of every single person, does that motivate you to go after your friends? Does this break your heart to know that if the world ended today, that we would have friends and family who would not be with Jesus? What are you doing about it? Here's my recap for today. Three ways to pursue wandering friends. We first have to identify who are the ones who are wandering. And some of them might be struggling Christians, but some of them might not be Christians at all. They're just lost. We have to identify all of these people. Number two, pursue them, both relentlessly and compassionately, avoiding the gossip and and the trash talk. Number three, we have to remember destiny, their eternal destiny is how we can pursue our wandering friends. Here's my big idea, and then we'll close after. The big idea is this, the hope of heaven and the fear of hell must compel us to pursue our wandering friends. The more and more that we hold in our hearts that hell exists, that there is an eternal torment and that heaven exists, there is an eternal paradise and that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. When we hold this in our hearts, it should compel us to go after our friends. As we conclude the book of James, it's been quite a ride the last couple of months. God has spoken through the book of James to train us, to guide us, to have joy in trials, to be doers of the word, to not show favoritism to others, to possess a faith that results in works, to tame our tongue, to avoid arguments and fights, to not be confident in the future, to be patient in suffering, to pray in every season, and finally today, to bring back a wandering brother and sister in Christ. These are the true marks of a growing Christian. My prayer is that God will continue to form you and me to be faithful, radical, gentle, and persevering Christians who change the world for his glory. I really believe God can change our lives and to use us for his kingdom. And that's my hope. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for our friends and the people that we know who have either temporarily wandered from the faith or they are just 100% lost. They do not seek you at all. God, I pray that you would give us courage. A lot of times we are so fearful of sharing our faith, to talk about our faith with others. But God, there is a heaven and a hell waiting for us. But even better than that, there's a savior who has already reached out to us. 
Lord, may these realities grip our hearts and empower us and inspire us and move us to live in new ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to break us off into breakout rooms. Um, and if you're not automatically 